Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Stranded in the woods, lost at sea, could it happen to you? Fall on a trail overlooking Waimanalo? Just today, two pig hunters missing overnight on the Big Island. Why do some people survive just fine and others don't? Dr. Scott Rennie's in the studio. He's a certified adventure and wilderness medicine specialist and currently working in urgent care at Straub Clinic at King Street. We'll be taking your calls in just a few minutes at 941-3689 on Oahu. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. First in medical news, influenza is here. It's making its way to the islands. Currently, only sporadic activity has been reported in Hawaii, while 25 other states are reporting widespread activity this season. It's not too late to avoid getting the flu. The flu shots are still available, and if you get one now, it will help to protect you from this viral illness. Antibiotics don't help. If you do think you have the flu, call your doctor as soon as you can so that you can arrange to do some testing and use antiviral medicine if necessary. So what do you do when you're in your car? Well, we know using cell phones is banned as it should be, but how dangerous is it? Well, in the latest issue of the New England Journal of Medicine, novice drivers had an eight times greater likelihood of having an accident or a near miss when they were using, reaching for, texting, or handling their phone. Guess what else is a problem? Eating, for one, looking at roadside signs or attractions, and generally just not paying enough attention. Luckily, more experienced drivers are not as distracted, but if you see someone you love using their phone while driving, even if the police don't catch them, have them put that phone down and keep their eyes on the road. Stop blaming your parents for your problems, right? Well, Not so fast. Turns out that women who have high levels of LDL cholesterol before childbirth, it was associated with a five-fold increased risk of elevated LDL cholesterol 20 years later in their young adult offspring, based on a new analysis of data from the Framingham Heart Study. Well, what does that really mean? Reducing the cholesterol in childbearing age women may reduce the transgenerational cycle of elevated cholesterol. It might also reduce the risks of heart disease in their families. Bottom line, if you have high cholesterol, get it down, even if it might be a genetic result from when you were born. Have you seen some of those TV shows on how to survive in the wild? Ever wonder what it really means to be prepared? Well, Dr. Scott Rennie's in the studio. He's certified in wilderness medicine, and we're going to review tips on how to stay alive and survive just in case you're caught out in the elements when you least expect it. What kind of a kit should you bring next time you go on a nice long hike? We'll tell you about it. We'd like to hear from you. If you've ever been lost in the wilderness, lost on a trail, had to call for rescue, we'd love to hear your story. You can join us at 941-3689 on Oahu. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Rennie, welcome to The Body Show. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Kozak. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. Hey, happy to have you here. Now, you just started working in urgent care, but this isn't the first time you've done this. This is your second or third time really starting up in urgent care in a clinic in in your medical career. 
That's right. Yeah, actually, uh, this is the third urgent care that I've helped open uh, in uh, in my lifetime anyway. And uh, we've been open on uh, King Street with the Straub uh, Clinic and Hospital now for about three weeks, and it's going well. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of things that mimic urgent care and also on-the-spot sort of wilderness care. When you think about it, if you were to be out on a hike with your family and something were to happen, they'd kind of look to you to sort of come up with a solution on the fly. Same sort of thing happens in an urgent care scenario. You know, somebody comes in, you may not know them, and they have a symptom or a problem, and you got to kind of fix it right then and there. And you don't necessarily do routine follow-ups and things. They're not your regular patients. It's really just on the fly. Same thing as if you're out in the wild. That's right. You know, I see patients that uh, are adventure travelers that come in from, uh, you know, maybe the mainland or other uh, other places, and they experience Hawaii just like uh, just like many of us do, and they and they really uh, aren't sure how to prepare and uh, what kind of uh, obstacles and and uh, things that they might encounter uh, that all a lot of us that have been here a lot longer uh, know about. So I think. Uh, preparation and thinking about uh, possible scenarios and, and, and the elements that are around us uh, is very important prior to participating in an adventure, uh, which may be just a simple uh, day hike or might be a, a hike up uh, Haleakala. I don't think I'll be hiking up Haleakala, but, you know, de- definitely it's true. Even if you've lived here for a while, sometimes we underestimate the effect of the elements. Who can predict if there's a sudden wild thunderstorm or rainstorm like we've had the last couple of weekends. And you just never know. I mean, I remember, boy, one of the times I decided to hike out to Kayana Point and I went up through the North Shoreway and I was so happy I brought sunscreen, protect your skin. And then it took so long the sun went down. Well, now sunscreen is so not helpful when there's no sun out, but a flashlight would have been. So you're right, preparing ahead, kind of thinking about what some of the scenarios would be. Let's talk about our perfect little preparation kit. So let's say a short day hike, you're going out for a hike, maybe it's a couple of miles, you're going through the woods or you're going on a trail. What should I be bringing in my kit if I'm just going out for the daytime? And then we'll talk sort of extended and overnights, but just a short little quick hike, what should I bring? So I think that's a very good question. I think it's, um, you know, it's dependent on the type of activity that you might be participating in if you want to get specifics. But I usually take a, a little individual first aid kit, which a lot of people might abbreviate as an IFAC, uh, individualized first aid kit that has some basic things in it. Uh, I think you mentioned the flashlight. That's a, a very good, it doesn't have to be a big uh, mag light. It can be just a, a little pen light, uh, something that you can light up your your hands, a map, uh, some, your trail right in front of you. That's very important. Having some uh, Band-Aids uh, I always have with me. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that uh, I wear a, a little fanny pack a lot of times on uh, my hikes and uh, people kind of look at me as uh, having as being uh, having a fanny pack on. It might be a little bit weird, but I can tell you that... Uh, not when, when I, they need something in it, I'll tell you. That's right. Uh, having Band-Aids, uh, having some duct tape I usually have a little bit of duct tape that's wrapped around a, a card, like maybe a business card or something like that that can be used uh, on uh, your heels. Or if you get like a little uh, blister when you're out hiking, having some moleskin is maybe even a little bit better, but I can use duct tape for a lot of different things. You can use duct tape for just about anything. So, so if you're out there hiking and you've got a blister and you don't know what else to do, you're going to duct tape it. That's, yeah. I've never heard of that. I mean, that to me is like one of those 101 uses for duct tape. Let's add 
blister prevention and treatment on a trail. So, okay. So, and you said you put it around a business cart, so you wrap it up a little bit. You don't bring a big wide roll. You've got to fit this in your pack. So you just bring enough that you could use it if you need to. That's right. And actually, we did. When we, uh, my wife and I were uh, going up Diamond Head, we had uh, a little duct tape with us, and uh, we both ended up getting some blisters because we, uh, we had our uh, sandals on. We weren't actually thinking that we were going to be going up Diamond Head that day. It just kind of seemed like a good idea. And uh, we had our uh, duct tape with us, which came in handy because uh, both of us ended up with some blisters that we were able to cover up and get down a lot more comfortably uh, with those blisters covered up. So I usually have duct tape. I usually have a little bit of uh, Blistex or something for uh, dry chap lips. Uh, like to have the uh, uh, eye protection, of course. Uh, being in Hawaii, a pair of sunglasses is very important. Um, I carry a little bit of uh, like super glue uh, for uh, Skin abrasions, tears, that kind of thing. A lot of people. It's like a, a little secret hidden thing in medicine. You know, if you go ahead and you get the adhesive suture repair, it kind of smells a lot like super glue. It kind of sort of is fancy medical grade super glue. So, so you bring your, your super glue with you, and if you get a cut or a scrape, and do you actually use it to, to cover those areas? You can peel it off later? You can. I think the, you know, what I'm talking about for super glue is kind of like the, uh, the, Kind of like Dermabond, what we use in medicine, um, it kind of seals a, a paper cut or something like that. It can seal up a, a little bit larger wound too. But um, I usually have a little bit of water with me when I'm out. And so if I do get a, a cut, um, I can kind of wash it off with some fresh water. It's always good to have water with you, especially in Hawaii, because when you're out in the uh, in the elements, of course, we have a lot of uh, sunshine. It doesn't have to be a sunny day to uh get really warm. So a lot of times the morning time you have clouds overhead and uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that hot outside, but uh, having some water with you uh, is very important as well. So I kind of mentioned that in my first aid kit, but it's, it's just something I have in my backpack when I go with me. And this is just, you know, you get a reusable bottle, fill it with water, bring it with you. doesn't have to be anything fancy. You don't need to have some sort of sterilized anything. Just get your same old water bottle, fill it up, and don't forget to bring it. That's right. And, you know, another thing you can do, if you do get uh, a scratch or, a, you know, a, a cut or something like that, if you have a little multi-tool or something like that, I'm using a multi-tool. I always usually have a little tiny one on me, not something that's huge because they're heavy. But if you have a little multi-tool that has a little all on it, you can make a, a little... Um, holes, a few little holes in the top of the water bottle, you know where the cap is. And if you do get a cut, you can actually squeeze some water to kind of rinse out the uh, uh, the cut to kind of help, uh, you know, get some of the dirt and grime out of it. So that's all for scratches and, and uh, abrasions. That's always really nice to have another use for the water bottle. So you can like use it to clean off stuff, clean off your hands, and then hydrate yourself. I think one of the unsung things that people don't do often is, you know, the hero of the water bottle. You got to have that available because you're going to go for this hike and you get all the way out there and don't forget, you got to get back. You know, this is going to be a long trip for you depending on how far of a day hike it is. So so this this fanny pack that you have, I think you're wearing one now. It's not huge. It's not big. It's not bulky. It doesn't weigh 50 pounds. So this is something relatively simple. And if you see one of your family members or somebody else out there in the trail having troubles, hey, you've got some stuff. 
That's right. It's that's always right. good to be the doctor who's prepared, you know, as opposed to me who forgot a flashlight. You know, that's a kind of a good idea. Well, I'm not perfect uh, either. Like I said, the uh, the hike up uh, Diamond Head was not something we planned on. And if we were to thought through a little bit better, we would have probably had some hiking shoes on. But having at least I had the duct tape with me. And I also... I uh, put a little albuterol uh, inhaler in my fanny pack and usually have a little EpiPen with me. It might not be in the pack. It might be in my backpack, but I like to have albuterol because I have a little mild asthma. And if I come across, you know, somebody that's really, that forgot, you know, their inhaler on the on the uh, trail, I might be able to help them. So a lot of times I think about the things that I have with me are not just for me or the person I'm with, but if I come across somebody that's in need uh, up there anywhere, uh, that I can help them uh, as well. Excellent idea. You know, you can help the general public. That's sort of what you do during the day, but it's also, you know, when when you go off the clock, you're not off the clock. You're going to help anybody out there who needs it. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. In the studio, my adventure and wilderness medicine expert, Dr. Scott Rennie. You can join us if you have a tale of ways that you got out of a sticky situation. Did you learn anything? Could you maybe share that? Somebody else might wind up thinking about that the next time and help them as well. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free, Neighbor Islands, 877-941-3689. Now, Dr. Rennie, let's talk about a longer hike. So we've done our little day hike. What's the difference? What else am I putting in my survival pack, my first aid kit? If I'm going on a longer hike, maybe it's going to take all day or maybe it's going to even extend into the nighttime hours. What else do I bring? Well, I think that what else you bring, uh, you kind of have to take into consideration uh, the size of the pack and weight constraints. So if you're going to be going on a, a long two-week hike, it might be what you bring might be different than if you're going for an overnight or, you know, a a one-day trip. Uh, Maybe not. It just depends. But I think we think about um, a lot of things when we talk about putting together a pack. So the age of the hikers that that are coming with us, uh, the the distance away. Um, Some of the things that I might put in my pack uh, in addition to the the small things that I have on me uh, throughout the throughout the day and, and throughout the small hikes what might be some uh, medications uh, additionally I might have some insect repellent because in Hawaii we have a lot of uh, uh, mosquitoes and that for some reason they love me uh, so we're hike- going hiking together you're gonna carry the pack bring all the stuff and maybe we'll see if the mosquitoes like you more than me they probably do. Good. All right. <laughs> Go on. In addition to that, I'll bring some cortisone cream that I'll put on when I get bit so that I'm not scratching myself raw. Um, and I think that's um, that's something that, you know, may or may not help. A little Benadryl uh, can also help uh, for allergic reactions. I have bad allergies. So when I'm out around the uh, uh, the elements and I come into contact with some flowers or something, sometimes my allergies will flare up. Benadryl is nice to have. Albuterol, I mentioned that uh, in addition. If I'm going on a long hike, uh, something that's, you know, up in the mountains, I might bring some uh, antibiotics in a, in a kit, just some basic uh, common antibiotics. Uh, so if you're hiking up uh, on a trip to Mount Everest or something like that, you know, you might, and you're going to be away from uh, medical care, you know, you know, days away, you might want to have something like that in. For the basic traveler in Hawaii, they're probably going to be within an hour, two hours, five hours from medical help, depending. If you're out in, out in a very rural area, it might take you a while. 
But uh, I think for me, some analgesics, Tylenol, ibuprofen, um, those are basic things that I'd want to have with me. So, and also some eye drops for, uh, I have, like I mentioned, allergies. So I want to have some, some uh, uh, an, or an, antihistamine eye drops with me as well. Nothing more miserable than being out on a trip and you can't see where you're going because your eyes are watering and itching so much. So uh, those might be some some basic things, some gastrointestinal uh, medications such as Imodium, over-the-counter things. If I'm going up mountains, uh, maybe some uh, medicines for high-altitude sickness, uh, those kind of things. The wound care uh, we, we mentioned a little bit. So those are some of the things. Um, I could get into more detail, but uh, uh, it would kind of depend on the situation. It's almost like a travel consult. You know, when people say, I'm going to go traveling to Africa or I'm going to go traveling to, you know, this new place I've never been to before, they'll often check in with their doctor, get a list of what shots or immunizations they may need, what antibiotics to bring with them just in case. So in this case, think about where you're going, where you're hiking. There are a couple of several day hikes, you know, the Naipali Coast on Kauai. Gorgeous. You know, you go on this hike, it takes maybe a day or two, you get to a valley, you stay there, you come on out. And so it certainly seems like people need to put in a little bit more thought and preparation into where they're going, what they're doing, and what they might encounter, not only for themselves, but also for their loved ones. You know, one of the things that um, we should mention is bring your cell phone. You might not always have good reception, but you might be able to send a text. You might be able to use a flashlight on it. So cell phones, GPS as well, you can find people that way. What about telling people where you're going before you go? Very That's another important. really important one, huh? Very important. I think bringing your brain with you is also very important. <laughs> well, I mean, my when brain I say- is my cell phone, so I was kind of thinking it was all one and the same. <laughs> when I say that, I think about um, preparing before you go, uh, having some knowledge of the terrain and uh, and talking to your family members and friends about where you're going, I think is you, that you brought up is a very important uh, component of that. Have They have um, little devices that uh, have GPS in them. They're kind of like the spot uh, GPS device that you can send out a little signal to your loved ones who check a website and they can get a GPS coordinate of where you are. So for people that uh, travel uh, up in the mountains or on very rigorous trails like the Nepali coast in some cases, uh, they may bring something like that. I I think bringing your cell phone, though, is is definitely something that uh, we all uh, try to do. Um, but you're right. The batteries can, can uh, go out on them. They can get wet in the rain. Uh, they might not have reception out on the Nepali coast. I know many times I'm in Hawaii and I don't have reception uh, in areas that I think I would. But um, I, I'm a ham radio operator, so I bring my little uh, handheld uh, ham radio with me and uh, I think that's one way that we can uh, keep in touch with the uh, with the world uh, when uh, we don't have our cell phones. So that's one. Of, so I'm on the radio now, but I was actually on the radio earlier today, ham radio. So um, that's uh, that's another way to communicate. Or ham ham radio is also called amateur radio, and it's another way to communicate uh, uh, in uh, times of uh, emergency uh, and times when we don't have communications on our cell phones. Well, there you go. You're like a survivalist right here. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Scott Rennie. We're talking about how to get prepared for your next adventure hike. And 
what you should think about before you get on the trail to make sure that you can get off of that trail safely. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about some extra precautions and talk about a few stories of things that might have happened here in the islands. You might just have one. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Ever think there'd be a day that Main Street is cheering on big Wall Street bonuses? Bonuses would be great for us. It would definitely translate into bigger spending and to more hiring, more jobs. I'm Lizzie O'Leary. Banker bonuses are back, and that's a good thing? Next time on Marketplace from APM. This evening at 6, following The Body Show. Are the barriers legal? The lawsuit over the Laniakea barricades say they aren't, and that's why it's seeking to have them removed. We'll talk with one of the plaintiffs. I'm Beth Ann Koslovich. Join us tomorrow morning at 8 on The Conversation. Aloha and welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Here in the studio, we're talking about adventure and wilderness medicine. Sometimes people might not think about wilderness is here in the islands, but you know, depending on what you're used to, just getting out of the city might seem like a wilderness adventure for you. And we're talking about some things that you might want to think about before you go. I learned my flashlight lesson. I've also learned Many other lessons like bug repellent. And Scott, we're going to have to go travel. We're going to have to go on a hike because the bugs always come after me. But I'd be so happy to have them go and chomp on somebody else. But I'm here in the studio with Dr. Scott Rennie, and he is a certified wilderness expert. You can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Rennie's working right now in the urgent care at Straub Clinic. And helping to do medicine on the fly, even when he's hiking, bringing some stuff, not just for himself and his family, but also for other folks, too, which is highly nice of you. Excellent. Be prepared. It's a Boy Scout motto, always be prepared, but you're taking that one on, even in real life. Now, Dr. Rennie, what's the uh, what's the wildest thing that's ever happened when you've been in the midst of your adventures? Well, you know, interestingly, I never was a Boy Scout. I probably would have been interest, interested in that when I was younger, but uh, uh, as far as... Um, you know, interesting things here in Hawaii. Is that what you're Anywhere. Thinking? Tell oh. me a wilderness story, some lesson you've learned. We all now know that I hiked out to Kayana Point with sunscreen and without a flashlight during sunset, which was probably not a smart idea. So you won't find me on a trail without a flashlight. What kind of lessons have you learned? Well, let's see. I had some friends visiting uh, from out of town. Actually, they were from out of the country. And uh, I'm thinking about a friend of mine, uh, Zoli, who's from Hungary. And he was visiting, and we were taking pictures uh, up on some of these rocks, you know, up on on the beach, the volcanic rocks. And, you know, we all see the big waves kind of come up on the uh, the surf comes up. And, you know, he was taking pictures uh, on the uh, of the of the ocean and of the surf coming up. And, just about the time that we were kind of talking about how beautiful it was, a big wave kind of washed over him and uh, just totally drenched his camera. And I was thinking, 
oh my goodness, you know, it's good that, uh, you know, it didn't wash us right off the uh, the rock. Uh, his camera didn't work, but at least his... Uh, his body his, worked. His bo- we're on the <laughs> body show. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, there you yeah. go. At least he didn't get injured. So be careful. You're taking pictures of that, the surf on the rocks. You know, I'll tell you, one time I took a whole bunch of photos of rough surf, and then I developed the pictures. This is back in the day where you develop them, and I looked, and I went, it just looks like rough surf. You don't know how big the waves are because there's no comparison because you're not really thinking about what this is going to look like. So I guess he's so enamored with this wonderful picture. There you go. He almost gets washed off a, a rock cliff. That's right. And we actually watched, uh, it was, I think it was the same day, uh, actually watched one of the tourists get uh, washed off one of the rocks at that same beach. And uh, luckily they were okay, but they probably came down about uh, 10 feet onto the beach. And, you know, those volcanic rocks are very sharp. So uh, they can do a lot of damage. Uh, so anyway, that's one of the interesting things. And of course, there's so many stories uh, that we can sh- that we probably all can share as far as uh, uh, adventures and things we've had while living in, in Hawaii. But uh, please call in, you know, and share your stories uh, with us. We'd love to hear them. We've got one right now. We've got Ron from Maui. Ron, welcome to the Body Show. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing great. Tell us, have you been adventuring out there? Well, I have been for many years. I started uh, backpacking and hiking in Hawaii in 1981 when I was in college, and then I moved here in 1990 and uh, lived on the Big Island for 10 years and did a lot of backpacking there. And uh, something that I ran into very early on, I think it was in, I think it was in 1990 or 91, as I was climbing Mauna Loa, which is a you know a good two-day hike, and uh, you you spend the first day hiking up to the 10,000 foot level and you overnight at the, the Red Hill Cabin. And then the next day, you hike up to the uh, just about 13,000 feet to the summit cabin. But I got caught in a blizzard unexpectedly about halfway up. Yeah, I think if you said I was caught in a blizzard in Hawaii, a lot yes. of people would wonder. But, you know, really, it happens over there. So it, what did it you do? To me, and I couldn't, you know, once you get it, when you're up on the Mauna Loa, it's a very dangerous place to get off the trail because there are lots of cracks and fissures and lava tubes and things that you don't know are there. And so... You know, once the, the ahus, the, the cairns that marking the trail get covered with snow, you can't tell them apart from anything else. So uh, I decided to start hiking down, but it was too late for me to make it down to the cabin. So I, I found a uh, lava tube that had ice on the, on the bottom. It was an ice cave. And I spent the night in there, a very cold night. I can only imagine. Now, after this happened, you must have learned something, that you wouldn't do that again next time. What did well, you learn? You, always, always. You know, I was hiking alone, and on a trip like that, you should always have somebody else with you. You shouldn't do it by yourself. So did anybody know where you were going? Well, you have to register when you're, whenever you go involved hiking in Volcanoes Backcountry. So they actually had sent someone up to try to, to, to catch me because the storm came in very unexpectedly. But I was too far up, and, and there was no way they could get to me. And there were no conditions. You know, the conditions were not such that they could even send a helicopter or anything like that. But I'm fairly resourceful, and it was a cold night, and I worked my way back down, but then hiking through the snow, I wasn't prepared for the, the snow burn that I got the next day either. I bet. So your advice to somebody who would be deciding, hey, I'm going to go hike up Mauna Loa, what would you tell them? Bring enough gear for all conditions from hot to cold and be prepared to, you know, to camp somewhere, not, all, not at the summit. So. Good advice. I want to thank you for sharing that, Ron. It sounds like you had quite the adventure. 
Yeah, and I was just, I would be too embarrassed to have on my tombstone that I died, you know, froze to death in a blizzard in Hawaii, so I'm glad I made it. Yeah, that would be embarrassing. That would kind of be like, really, (laughs) of all the likelihood. Well, and I think your years of doing the backpacking and hiking really helped because you had this this pre-existing knowledge of how you can handle the elements and, and what happens when you're out there. And so it sounds like you made a smart move. You found a place to hover, hunker down for the night, and then you came on out and you did great. So yep. excellent job. Thanks a lot. Have a good evening. Thanks a lot. Thanks for sharing that with us. If you've got a story and you learned an important lesson, or even if you just want to tell us a story about your friend who did something probably not so smart, I've got a few of those, uh, you can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Dr. Benny, I had some friends, smart folks, who went on a hike. It was a little too late at night. They got caught in the dark. Somebody twisted their ankle. Next thing you know, they're calling fire rescue to get them off of this trail. And, you know, I wouldn't have thought that these guys would have gone unprepared. But they didn't have a flashlight. They didn't have a plan. Somebody injured themselves. What do you do if you're with a group and somebody gets injured? How do you get them out safely? What would be some things that you could do looking at your environment? Now, of course, we all hope you're with us because you've got the duct tape. You know, and you can do a lot of things with duct tape, not only cover blisters, but who knows what you can make. If you're with somebody who's injured themselves, how can you help them to get off of that trail, get back to where they started from, or get somewhere safe? What would you tell them? So that's a really good question. Uh, I think that, first of all, you want to make sure that uh, you're not going to get injured yourself while uh, evaluating uh the, the scene, you know, so making sure the scene is safe. So if you have a, a boulder that came down off a mountain uh, and there might be some other boulders that are up above it. Like get out of the way. Get out of the way. That's right. And make sure that the scene is safe uh, before you attempt to uh, get yourself into the same uh, area with that other pa- with that other person. Um, and then ask them, you know, make sure that if, if you don't know them, ask them uh, that if you can help them before starting to help them. So you know, they they might not want your help or they may, uh, you know, so it's not considered a, a legal problem of, you know, assault or something like that. I think it's good to ask uh, if you can help them and then to actually approach them cautiously uh, looking at your surroundings. And then if you have the ability to, uh, if they've got a, uh, like, say, an ankle sprain or you're not sure, if you have the ability to stabilize that with maybe uh, another thing that I would carry, and, and I didn't mention this before, uh, in a longer uh, hike, maybe it'd be good to even with a shorter hike to take one is a SAM splint. Uh, a SAM splint is S-A-M. It's a little uh, device that is a foldable piece of aluminum that is coated with kind of a, a soft uh, polyurethane type of a, a coating on it. The guy who invented it is uh, was a genius, and I'm sure he made a lot of money on these. But these are excellent tools to stabilize uh, sprains and, and even fractures out in the field. But uh, if you have some duct tape, you can you can certainly support a, an ankle, um, a wrist, uh, an elbow with these. Now, where would you get the splint, the SAM splint? Where would you find that? Would that be like a medical piece of equipment, or is that something you could find at your local pharmacy, or where would you get it? You can find them online. I know Amazon.com has them, but I think a lot of Amazon the, has everything. Oh, they have everything, yeah. Uh, but I think you could probably find them in your in your local. I've seen them in the drugstores. Uh, I don't know if they have them at Longs, but that would be one option. Another option would be to use some something in the environment. If you didn't have uh, a SAM splint, because 
because you're you just didn't have one because you weren't on Amazon.com or whatever. You could uh, you could use something that uh, something else. So if you're if you've got a walking stick, uh, one of those uh, walking sticks we use a lot of times when we're hiking, um, that's a rigid object. You can uh, use some sort of uh, uh, duct tape or uh, even an ace, ra- ace bandage or uh, something to kind of wrap up and stabilize uh, the, uh, the patient in their, in their sprain or their fracture. If you've got more than one person with you, even better, because if they're very injured, uh, you can maybe fabricate uh, some type of device to get them down if they can't support their own weight. Um, I guess that would depend on your training and, and level of uh, comfortableness with being able to do that. But there are some courses through the uh, Wilderness Medical Society, even online videos that kind of demonstrate how to fabricate uh, devices to get people out into safe, out of dangerous situations and into a more safe environment. So if you're bored, you want to YouTube it, go in there, Wilderness Medicine Society, go find some videos. That sounds like it would be interesting. I mean, I kind of just want to watch it just because I wouldn't consider myself the most adventurous, outdoorsy type. But on the other hand, you know, how embarrassing if people say, does anybody have a Band-Aid? And like the doctor in the group doesn't have a Band-Aid. I mean, that would make me feel bad. All right. We have got a couple of callers in the line. We've got Mike from East Honolulu. Welcome to the Body Show, Mike. Thank you very much. What can we do for you? Well, uh, I just started listening to your show, and I do have a story about an event that took place 40 years ago. We love stories. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, kind of a sad ending. My my good friend, Denny Lane, and I grew up together in the San Francisco area, and we were in our late 20s, and he had moved off to Kodiak, Alaska, and I was in the airline business in Oakland, and I said to him, you got to come over to Hawaii. It's a great place. we got to got to visit some friends on Oahu, and he says, I'm coming. And he extended his stay just before Christmas and went over to Kauai by himself. He was a Sierra Club member and a very fit man. And he uh, rented a car and went up to uh, Kalalau Lookout, parked the car, stayed overnight, started to hike, and he was never seen again. Wow. Wow, Mike. And we did, uh, we did end the story. We found out uh, I had gone back home to the Bay Area and... It was four days after he went missing that I finally found out about it. So his cousin and I came over, and by that time it was a week too late. We we did get a friend hiking in from the from the north side, the Hyena side, and then we started at at uh, Kalalau Lookout um, and went in for two full days. We had two army uh, 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 people. Working. Some volunteers, yeah. You had some. Well, they were, some they folks were in the army that the army okay. gave us to 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 hike out out there with them, and and we were we we were we only didn't. I mean, we had things with us, but but it would rain, and we hardly could even gather enough water, and so we finally had to give up the search, even though there was also a coast guard ship that was patrolling the coast, and and finally, after six months, his jawbone was found at the base of a waterfall at the end of Hanakapiai Stream. And uh, they did do, do the test on it and found out it was his jaw, jawbone. So, you know, he died doing what he wanted to do, and, and his family, his brothers and I have stayed close. And every time I go out kayaking, uh, he's with me because I have named each of my kayaks in honor of him. Wow, Mike, that's a wonderful story, and I think it's so unfortunate that he's passed on you brought up a really good point 
Here's somebody who was educated, Sierra Club. He kind of knew his way around outdoors. It can happen to any of us. If you go into an area and you're not 100% prepared and maybe you take a little bit of a risk, you never know what can happen. So thanks for sharing that story. I'm sad that it had that kind of an ending, but it certainly has had an impact for you and hopefully for those who were searching for him just to kind of make sure that, you know, they take really close care of themselves. And if you go hiking, let somebody know. If you get in trouble, 40 years ago we didn't have cell phones, but certainly these days there's really not an excuse to not let somebody know if you're going somewhere. And hopefully you get reception and you can get some help when you need it. But thanks for sharing that story with us, Mike. All right, that's that's certainly something that can happen, Scott, is, you know, you just you don't make it out. You could be as smart as you possibly can and still wind up having something untoward happen. That's right. I mean, I you know, I feel really bad that that uh, that situation happened. I'm really sorry to hear that. Um, you know, no matter how prepared we are, you know, we probably have things that we can do better. This um, individual sounded like he was uh, very well trained, and so being prepared at all times is is nice to be. But you don't. We're not always 100 percent prepared. Accidents I think happen. You accidents got it. happen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. Um, Appreciate the call and the, the story, though. Um, I was just thinking about an, another story when we ha- we had a couple uh, uh, calls about uh, you know hiking blizzards up on mountains, and you know I've lived in Hawaii now for a couple years, and uh, so we've been trying. My wife and I have been trying to uh, get out and explore um, Oahu, but not only Oahu, but some of the other uh, neighboring islands as well, and it's been great. And so we went up to uh, the Big Island, and uh, we decided that we were going to. To explore uh, the observatories on the on the top of Mauna Kea, and we drove up there and we got up to the the uh, visitor station. I think that's about ten thousand feet, some you know somewhere about there. And, and uh, my wife is a little bit uh, well, a little dizzy. You know, you can kind of feel the difference in the air pressure up there, um, but not bad. You know, so we stayed up there, and, and you know there's there are some warnings, but you don't have to stop. I guess you could keep going, um, and but fortunately we did, but. We'd, we we were there for maybe 45 minutes or so and, and just kind of hanging out. We, then we decided we'll get back in the car and, and go all the way up to the top and check out the telescopes. And I tell you, you know, I was uh, – we got out of the car up there at the telescopes and uh, she wasn't doing too well. I'm talking about my wife. You know, she was – dizzy. Uh, she had a, a headache. And I was up there taking pictures, you know, the telescopes and the surroundings, just a beautiful place. And, and I looked back at the car and uh, she wasn't doing well. So we got back in the car and we had to come down quickly. She had uh, high altitude uh, sickness. She was getting uh, oxygen deprivation. That that decrease in air pressure uh, was causing her to become sick. So uh, even things like that, I mean, we have so many different extremes or so many different climates here in Hawaii uh, that we have to be aware of. And you never know it. I mean, who would think, you know, there's Ron saying you got caught in a blizzard and you're mentioning altitude sickness. And a lot of times people think altitude, they think like Machu Picchu, they think exotic. And yet it can happen right here in our very own backyard. You just never know where you can encounter something you didn't expect. And, you know, luckily you were able to identify it and you had been to the visitor center. You kind of knew what sorts of things to look out for. But not everybody can just go from sea level to 13,000 without feeling some symptoms. So yeah. good, that, uh, good that you got it taken care of. It was scary. Yeah, we, you know, I think uh, I knew what was going on, but still in the situation. Uh, you are know, you the doctor? Are you the husband? Exactly. What do you do? Get your wife down fast. You know, you've got all this extra 
extra weight on your shoulders thinking, what do I do? I've got to fix this. Yeah, Ex- you got exactly. it. Exactly. And I could just imagine for somebody that wasn't aware of the symptoms, it would be even more uh, distressing. Absolutely. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. We're talking with Dr. Scott Rennie. He's currently an urgent care doc at Straub Clinic. He's also wilderness medicine certified. And when we come back, we're going to talk with some more folks about some stories of episodes that they've had in the islands. If you've got one to share, feel free to give us a holler at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Not everyone comes to HPR's website looking for program information. Some folks want to support the station but aren't quite sure how. Maybe you want to make a monetary contribution or maybe you want to contribute time as a volunteer but don't know what kind of work is needed. Well, if you go to hawaiipublicradio.org and click on Support HPR, you'll find links to all different kinds of involvement. The HPR website, it's just a click away. I'd think about her heart jumping and flapping around in her small chest like a fish in a footlocker after those long runs at the top of the summit. I'd wonder how anything could ever be so alive. I'm Cynthia Nixon. Join me this week for Selected Shorts from PRI, Public Radio International. Tuesday at 5 p.m., following Travel with Rick Steves. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here with Dr. Scott Rennie, Wilderness Certified. We're talking about those adventures that we go on outside and what are some of the things that can happen when we do. We can all learn from one another, learn little lessons about what to do, what not to do. You can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Before the break, we were talking with Mike, telling us a story about some things that happened few decades ago. Now we've got Claire from Punchbowl going to tell us a story. Claire, welcome to The Body Show. Hi, Dr. K. How are you? Fabulous. Tell me about what's going on. What can we, what can we expect if we're out there in survival mode? Survival mode? Well, you know, you did, folks did trigger one story of the altitude thing when I was cross-country skiing up in Idaho, and because I live here at sea level, I did not expect to have any altitude issues, and my breathing was so bad that one of the members of our group had cystic fibrosis. She was breathing better than I oh, was. Oh, that's not good, Claire. When the yeah. pulmonary impaired folks breathe better than you, that's that's a bad sign. Yeah, you need to. I didn't even think to pay attention to that. But here locally, I'm a day hiker and a former trail runner. I was up on Tantless, which I would run two, three times a week. By myself, because it's a well-traveled um, area, so if anything happened, I figured there are always people on the trail. But one day I hiked it with a friend, and we were walking and talking, and I had on my trusty Mizuno trail shoes that I love so much because they grip the rock so well. But one foot slipped off a rock, and the other foot stayed planted and broke my ankle in two places with that torque. We were about a mile and a half from the trailhead, and my my dear friend that I was with thought, well, let me support you and we'll hop out. And if you know that trail and the rocks and the terrain, you, there's no hopping out. There. There's no <laughs> hopping out, Claire. That was so nice of them to say they would do it. but It was a beautiful gesture, but I realized we'd have two injured people if we tried that. So what'd so you do? What we, we ended up, she went, ran into the brush and got a big guava branch that I could use as a staff, as a pole to 
you know, substitute for my broken ankle, side and hop out, hobble out that way. But I'll tell you, we were, like I say, a mile, mile and a half out. It took an hour and a half to get in. That was excellent improvising. Yeah, credit my dear friend Debbie for that one. And uh, my cutoff, however, we had all the right things. We had flashlights, this, that, and this. But because there was such a canopy, I couldn't think to call EMS. And back then I was an ER nurse, so more so I didn't want to call EMS. Oh, Claire, I know the feeling. You didn't want to be like the nurse in the ER. ER getting nurse married suddenly. to a firefighter. Am I going to call 911? I don't think so. Well, you know, but you could have. I mean, certainly justifiable. Sounds like you did make a good improv- improvised splint for yourself. Yeah, it, was, it was a great thing to stop and think, well, how are we going to get me out of here? The cutoff was darkness. If, if You know, we got out just before the sunset, but if I were still up there in the dark, it would have had to be an EMS call. You need to know your your parameters, your cutoffs for when am I going to stop this effort and let the pros come and get me? (laughs) That is really good thinking. You know, you brought up a very good point. And I think that uh, I miss saying that about the first caller who talked about being up on the mountain and knowing when to stop and when you need help. I think knowing those things are important because uh, if you keep going in a dangerous situation, uh, like, say, going up the mountain or getting into, you can get into more trouble. And for you to know what you could, you know, you made some, some decisions about being able to get out of where you were. And if and you were kind of thinking to yourself, if I, uh, what what's the point at which I wouldn't be comfortable just hiking out by myself and the darkness was your uh was your kind of your cutoff in your mind and i think that's important for everyone to have as far as a a plan when when is it okay to uh rely on myself and when do i need to to call for help yeah and and to be aware of your surroundings i mean there was such a we had a large canopy over us so i knew i couldn't be airlifted out so it was going to have to be EMS on foot, and, and where where would I position myself? So we would check at, um, there are certain cutoff trails there where they access the main trail. Stop there, because this is a place EMS could get me. So you kind of have to keep your wits about you, about your location and your accessibility for help to get to you. All right, Claire, keep going on those trail shoes. Just this time, no more <laughs> slipping, okay? Okay, thanks. All right. Thanks for sharing your story with us. We've got another caller on the line. We've got Ed from Nuuanu. Ed, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. I have a story of uh, bad judgment. Uh, Oh, we've all uh, had bad judgment now and then, Ed, but tell us your story (laughs) of bad judgment. Oh, I used to hike tanless or run tanless like 10 years, once or twice a week. Uh, Got me uh, a couple of golden retrievers to keep me fit. And one night I went up there with myself, without my buddy, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I was sitting up on a ledge watching the sunset and uh, waterfalls on the other side of the cliff. And suddenly noticed it was too late to walk out. Um, We started walking anyway, got into the really deep forest, and all I can see of my two golden retrievers, one was a blonde, one was a reddish one, I saw a dark spot and a slightly lighter spot. Wow, it was get- You know, it gets dark pretty quick here. You know, you it just does, yeah. you never know that. Hey, it's beautiful to go hike somewhere and see the sunset, but unless you have a flashlight or you have a really clear path to get back that's well lit, that could be dangerous. So, what happened, Ed? So, I come to find out that uh, dogs actually see or feel very well in the dark, uh, almost better than myself. 
I knew every rock on the trail, but there are still spots you can slip off the cliff. Yeah, that sounds and, like I'm scared for you right now. And I let my two dogs walk in front of me. The noses to the ground, they kind of knew where they were. They didn't panic. And we made it out. And uh, lots of luck, I guess. Wow, Ed, that's kind of giving me chicken skin, you know. So your dogs that you got to keep you fit, not only kept you fit, they might have saved your life. Yeah, at least uh, all three of us, yeah. Absolutely, fantastic. Well, you know, I, I always feel worse about an animal than a person, than, especially when you were the, the caretaker of the animal. So I was hoping and praying that they would not slip off the edge, and that's what happened. So all's good. All's good. Dogs are man's best friend. Man is dog's best friend. Sounds like it goes both ways. Thanks for sharing that story with us, Ed. Really good point, Dr. Manny. Sun goes down fast. You go somewhere exotic, want to go see the sunset. How do you get back? That's right. Yeah, many people don't, uh, when they visit Hawaii, they're not used to the sun going down so quickly. So, you know, even now, sometimes it surprises me. I'll be out enjoying, uh, enjoying the evening and not realize how late it's getting. And all of a sudden, that sun has gone down and it's It's, it's fast. dark fast. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really like that story. I mean, it had a happy ending to it. Um, but I also like uh, having the dogs uh, with with the uh, the collar and, and uh, they really helped out in that situation. But I, I think having a flashlight is key. Um, I have I've a, learned that one. Yeah. Yeah, you learned that one too. Uh, having a flashlight um, that throw there's multiple different kinds of flashlights and I think if you get one that's too big um, you know you might not have it with you but having a headlamp is great because then you have uh, your hands are free yeah your hands are free so if you've got you know a dog on a leash in one hand and a walking stick in the other or a hiking stick um, you know one that throws out a nice uh, floody beam so it kind of lights up the whole trail is is really nice too so um, anyway that's a great story all right, we've got another caller on the line. We've got Linda from Maui. Linda, welcome to the Body Show. Thank you. What can we do for you today? Well, I'm um, an adventure sea kayaker. I like to, right. to go off into remote parts of the world with my kayak. But one thing I see here is people are very casual when they go off on their rented kayaks. And uh, you, if you get separated from that kayak out in the ocean, you're in trouble. So my rule is oh, I'm always attached to my kayak. The rule is tied to me or to a tree. Oh, that's and, interesting. Uh, Have you ever and had then a my paddle is My paddle is always t- attached to the kayak also, so I don't get totally without any means of getting back to shore. Have you ever had a dangerous episode where that wasn't the case or where you're really glad that that saved you? Well, um, it was um, kayaking in Thailand and in a little remote beach, and uh, came into the beach, put all took the stuff, back, all my you know camping gear back into the jungle. Came back out, and the kayak was gone. It was it was. I'm looking up and down the beach, and there's no kayak. And <laughs> I was feeling rather panicky, and it was a really windy day. And uh, I use uh, inflatable kayaks; they're really lightweight. So, and I turned around in a bit of a panic, and there in the top of a tree was my kayak. <laughs> wow. Well, you said it tied to a tree or away. me. You know, you just didn't realize tied to a tree meant to the top of it. All right. So, Linda, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. your piece of advice so, is... Your I like be- to always stay attached. <laughs> stay attached and not necessarily to the top of the tree. All right. So, no. stay attached. Keep yourself and your paddle and your kayak somehow all connected to one another. That's right. Fantastic. All right, Linda, I'm glad you made it out, and I'm glad your kayak hadn't blown away. 
Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank thanks, you. thanks for calling Bye. us today. A nice tip to remember. You know, Dr. Benny, we don't always think about that. There's some unique sports that people like to do here. There's kayaking, there's paddle boarding, there's surfing. There are some things that people do that kind of add a different level of, I don't want to say danger, we'll call it adventure to what they're doing outside. And some simple tips. Linda's like, hey, stay attached to your kayak. Don't let it go. You know, she had an inflatable one. That one can just take lift pretty easily. What about some of the people who paddleboard? I mean, I often wonder, stand-up paddling, you've got folks out there going pretty far out into the ocean. In that scenario, you could actually just be kind of swept out to sea. And there have been cases where people have been missing because, you know, there's their board and they're not on it. What are some of the other unique things that we might have to deal with here in the islands? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, Living in the islands or visiting the islands does present uh, uh, a lot of folks that are seeking uh, adventure. And so I think that uh, uh, you brought up uh, paddleboarding. And uh, paddleboarding, of course, you're going to be out in the sun uh, for extended periods of time. So making sure that you don't overheat and... uh, Well, bring that sunscreen that I had so helpfully after sunset without my flashlight. But keep yourself skin protected, sure. Right. Bring some water because even though you're paddling on the water, you can't drink that. Yeah, that's interesting. So we think about being in Hawaii. We have plenty of water around us, but it's salt water. So you're exactly right. There could be... You're up hiking in the hills or you're off in the water at the beach. And if you don't have fresh... Water, a source of fresh water, you could very well become dehydrated. So uh, definitely something to consider. Also, the things out in the water. So my wife won't let me uh, paddleboard because of the all the dangers that are out in the in the water. Um, maybe we'll we'll get over that at some point. But I think the, hey, you got her down from thirteen thousand feet. I don't know. I think you get a little bit of credit there. That's right. And I think also that she's looking out for my best interest. She doesn't want something bad to happen to me. And and uh, well, just the other day at the beach, you know, uh, Portuguese man of war out on the beach, you know, we're walking along and those things, uh, those things smart when you, uh, when you get hit with uh, one of the stingers of the Portuguese man of war, our, my good friend got, uh, got stung. That can happen when you're out paddle boarding, uh, not panicking. So say you're out off on the panel board and you've got a big rogue wave coming in or you've, you get stung by a Portuguese man of war, you even see a shark. You know, how do you not panic? Okay, I would be a panicker. (laughs) I think I'm with your wife. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, my God, what's going on? So, So that's a really important point, number one. Don't panic. Assess your situation. That's right. Try and see if there's a safe way to maneuver around whatever that is. Yeah, sometimes that's easier said than done. Yeah, because uh, I'm panicking. I mean, essentially, that's why. So, okay. So so if you have some of your survival gear that can help you, accidents happen, though. You never know. That's right. So, you know, we think about, you know, being on an adventure and thinking about being around water and water safety on a paddleboard. Um, you know, just thinking about a lot of the drownings that happen do, I mean, involve alcohol. Uh, they can involve trauma. So um, thinking about maybe being out in the water and, and maybe not having a lot of alcohol if you're going to be out in the water makes you less prone to, uh, you know, accidents. Um, that would be one thing I would recommend. If you're out in the water, having someone with you um, is also helpful. Water safety in children. Uh, if you have kids, be 
you know, be watching them, be aware that um, an immersion injury, meaning if you're in the water and you don't need very much of it, you don't have to be in a, a very deep ocean to drown, uh, to really be aware that your kids, where where your kids are, because I think drowning is one of the, well, I think it's the third leading cause of accidental deaths um, in the nation. And uh, for kids between the ages, kids and, and teenagers, uh, it, I think it's the number one for accidental deaths. So, um, you know, you brought up a very good subject there in water safety and uh, paddle boarding. And I think um, we have to do a lot to, to be aware of uh, the dangers and our, our children as well as ourselves. Yeah, we're going to have to get some lifeguards on the show, I think, just to kind of go over water safety because you never know. I mean, there are some unique things that we have here. They always have the box jellyfish warning and all these sorts of things. What do you really do? And and how do you know how to not panic? I mean, boy, one of the few times that I've that I've gone swimming out by uh, Kaimana Beach, you know, you go out to the windsock, you turn around, you go, hey, I'm just going to swim to shore. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm going backwards. What's going on? You know, there can be some real issues that you, if you're not prepared, if you don't have an education about, if you haven't practiced that scenario, you know, you weren't a Boy Scout, I wasn't a Girl Scout, and I don't know these things. Yet, I want to go out there and have an adventure. So there are ways to be safe. So a couple of things, let's just go over quick in our pack. We're going to first of all, have a pack. We're going to have band-aids, you mentioned the ever present, ever useful duct tape. What are some other quick things? Flashlight, sunscreen, Simple stuff you can carry with you, Band-Aids. Yeah, you need water, uh, water. plenty, plenty of point. water with there you. There you go. And, uh, and then some uh, medication, Benadryl is really nice to have, an antihistamine if you have asthma, carry your inhaler with you. Uh, it's not that heavy. An EpiPen. Just put it in your pocket. That's right. EpiPen, yeah, because you do not want to be out in the middle of a trail somewhere saying, I'm allergic to bee stings, I just found out. That is life-threatening. That's right. And don't bring too much. I mean, you see my pack and my wife tells me that I'm bringing too much. I bring all the, I'm a doctor, so I bring all the whole medical kit with me. And, and, uh, you know, you don't have to bring everything, but definitely be having some supplies with you is, is better than not. You don't want to be weight weighing, weigh yourself down and not be able to, to get around either. So, um, anyway, I think, I think those are some of the things that, that you want to bring with you on an adventure trip, even hiking on a day hike. Um, And research your hike. Find out. Is it meant for beginners? Is it meant for intermediates? Is it meant for advanced? Because if you're in a group with other people, some of them might be advanced and want to take some risks because they feel comfortable with that. And yet you might be a beginner. Maybe you're not up to par with their level of activity. That's right. So researching your surroundings and and what kind of hike you're going to be going on or what kind of adventure, I should say, you're going to be uh, pursuing uh, while here in Hawaii. Yeah, and don't get stuck in a blizzard. We learned from Ron. You know, that that got to tell you, that's not something you want on your tombstone or anywhere, really. Got caught in a blizzard in Hawaii. It just doesn't seem to uh, doesn't seem to ring a bell, really, with all the weather things that we, we think about when we think about the islands. That's right. It gets dark pretty early. It does. It does. And if you do need medical care, of course, uh, you know, the urgent care is someplace you can uh, you can come into. Um, I'm working at the uh, Straub Urgent Care on King Street. Uh, we have many urgent cares on the island, but uh, we uh, we certainly uh, do provide a really good service uh, for the community, and we're real excited about the new clinic. 
And when in doubt, go check it out. I mean, make sure that if you're not quite sure, is this something that needs antibiotics? Is this infected? Do I need sutures? Always better to get it checked out before you wait and it's, you know, already several days and you've got a bigger problem. That's right. It can save you a lot of time later on if uh, you uh, come in early rather than later. You got it. And the nice thing about urgent care is, you know, you don't need an appointment. You come in, you show up, you get taken care of. It's it's easier than the emergency room and potentially more convenient than waiting several days. So I want to thank you, Dr. Scott, for coming on the show today and sharing your expertise. Dr. Scott Rennie is an urgent care doctor certified in wilderness and adventure medicine, and he is currently working at Straub Clinic on King Street in the urgent care area. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on our podcast, whypublicradio.org. Our engineer is David Chong, our executive producer, Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you right here next week. We're going to be talking about gastric bypass surgery. Does it work? We're going to hear about that and more Monday on The Body Show. See you then.